Craft Beer Radio, episode 150, the Sesquicentennial Show. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio. This is our sesquicentennial on December 11th. And uh, we're breaking out some beers for our party tonight. It's December 10th, but close enough. It's almost December 11th because we're doing this very late at night. It's almost 11 o'clock, so it's close. So we're doing some special shows for 150 because um, it has, you can put a nice name to it, Sesquicentennial. And right. it, uh, even though its uh, numbers are, are so meaningless. We got some <laughs> beers. Uh, the first two beers are beers that were sent in to us for, uh, from breweries for evaluation. This first one you may have heard of. It, it's it's getting a little bit of attention right now it's called life and limb from sierra nevada and dogfish head life collaboration beer if you will i like collaboration beers this one has been yeah so you say i haven't been reading the beer blog so much so i haven't seen attention this one's beginning but I, I will trust you that it has been what sort of what have they been saying about it besides oh it's good um it's amazing is what i've heard so curious to see if it lives up to the hype here what uh, style is this? Does it have one? I guess we could say it's a brown ale with some uh, birch and maple syrup in it. Interesting. Interesting. Very dark for a brown ale. Okay, maybe it's a porter. No, uh, well, I mean, it, 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 it straddles that line, doesn't well, it? Well, we figure out what we can call From it the looks. after we taste it. I'm just I'm just judging okay. based on looks. It kind of straddles that line, right? Yeah, it's it's, a, it, it's pretty dark for a brown ale, but it's not so so dark as to be a porter. It could be a brown porter. Uh, the head though looks more brown ale-ish than it does porter. It's a little bit foamy. Um, don't expect that much head from a porter in general. More from a stout, but not so much from a porter. But yeah, I don't see too much head. Characteristics tied to one style or the other, really. The smell is screaming to me. Well, the smell is screaming to me brown porter, actually, more than anything else. Uh, there's, there's definitely maple aroma in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I'm getting the, I'm getting some kind of syrupy type aroma in there. I may be smelling birch, but I would not have picked that if you wouldn't, if you would not have said it. So, it's more probably a suggestion than anything else. Yeah, they're having tastings all over the country where they're doing this beer. And then they also made a small beer off the second runnings, and that's called Live in Life. And I've heard a lot of people raving about that one, but they're not bottling that beer, so we didn't get a sample of that. Mm, that is too bad. So, okay, so let's give this one a taste then. 150. Cheers. Cheers, Greg. Thank you for coming up that many times. How high now calls this one? <laughs> 10.2%. Okay. You can tell. No wonder they were able to make second runnings off this one. This is very, Mm -hmm. I mean, this is, you can really taste that alcohol. There's no question about that this one is high alcohol. Mm -hmm. It's burny. Yeah, it's, um, I would call it a porter. There's there's good roastiness to it. Um, There's there's that woodiness, right? And my first sip, when it was still in my mouth, I'm thinking, you know, this, it doesn't have all the aromatics that Palo Santo does. But it, it it's a similar beer. Yeah, I think it's it's kind of similar to the Polo run from Dogfish. The alcohol is very strong, but what that does is it brings out a lot of volatiles, right? And so it, it brings up some of the flavors of these woody stuff, the birch and the other stuff. And 
allows the maple to kind of I think it actually cuts the maple a bit, which is good. Mm-hmm. It might be too sweet if it were, didn't have as much alcohol. Right. And yeah, the CO2 and the alcohol both scrub that off your tongue so it won't get too... It's cloying and sweet. Cloying, yeah. Because it's not... doesn't taste... Well, actually, there's probably a good amount of bitterness in here. Probably at least mm-hmm. 40, wouldn't you say? Yeah, there's definitely 40. 40 IBUs or so. I mean, there, there, there's a good amount of bitterness in here, but there's still a lot of sweetness, and that alcohol is strong. Okay, so the uh, Life and Limb, it's a beer that defies style categorization, right? And uh, the, the maple syrup is actually from Sam Calagione's family farm in Massachusetts. And the, the barley is a state-grown barley at Sierra Nevada. It's the barley they actually grow at the brewery. It's brewed in Chico. It's brewed in Sierra Nevada. Yep. Um, Yeah, so we don't have any information on it, so I guess we'll just make stuff up. I'm going to say 40 IBUs and uh, 1.05 degree Play-Doh. <laughs> Stop making stuff up. Just because we've been here for 150 doesn't mean we can let it those go to our heads. completely made up. We can't let it go to our heads. But, I, but I'm guessing it's in the 40 IBU range or something along those lines. It's, it, it's, it's got a, a decent amount of hot bitterness in there. It's it's hard for me to, to wait to guess because of the alcohol in it, right? You typically have more IBUs to balance out that higher gravity beer. I wouldn't, I'm not sure, but I wouldn't be surprised if it turned out to be in the 80s and it needed to be that high to balance out the big beer. You have a point. You have a point. Um, you see, yeah, because I'm not tasting as, as I mean, I'm, it's, it, there's bitterness there, but mm-hmm. I'm not tasting it as much. But yeah, it might be because it's so sweet that it needs to be higher in, in the IBUs and it might be even in this. Mm-hmm. Like you say, I don't know if 80 is, is, 80 sounds like a lot, maybe in the 70 or 60 range. May pair that pack just a little bit. Yeah, it, I'm, I'm not going to get too hung up on. It. I don't know. I just wanted to kind of throw a little balance in there and say. I like I, I like the IBU number in general. I like learning that number because it, it gives me an interesting metric. I, I think it's really going to vary from beer to beer. Right, depends on how much malt's in there and how impactful those IBUs are. You know, sure. I mean, chemically, an IBU is an IBU, but on your tongue, I don't think all IBUs are equal. I succumb to your point. So, I guess I guess I should say on your palate because on yeah. your tongue, technically, that's still chemically. So, you have a point. I I kind of like filling myself up with this random knowledge, mm-hmm. sure, whenever I can. And uh, I in, just Here. for some reason, you have the SRM chart. You oh, okay, there that. we go. We can we can comment on SRM. This this looks like a twenty or an eighteen. So we uh, just had an adventure here, Greg. Jeff spilled my beer. Was, Greg was getting overzealous with. The, color comparisons he knocked over his own beer jeff spilled my beer i ran upstairs to that's get not a, how i remember it <laughs> i ran upstairs to get a towel and greg left the front door wide open it's 22 degrees outside i <laughs> it's zero with the wind chill i did not leave the front door wide open the front door opened itself <laughs> i did not leave doors open this is about 22 or 23 i think on the SRM scale i guess it depends on how you put it in the light but i mean it's not it's clearly not black yeah that thing's not perfect reprinting colors on paper it it's really subject to the environment. Uh, a real SRM thing are these these clear plastic cylinders that are translucent like beer, mm. so you can hold those up, and then it's more calibrated to the environment. But it's dark, is what we're saying. Yeah, it's dark beer. It's trying to be a little bit educational, you know. Let me get some room back here on my desk. So you pointed out something to me. Uh, well, you didn't point out to me. You pointed out to everybody. It was on your Twitter feed. It was about. Pennsylvania, Lou Bryson mm. stuff. 
I thought it was interesting in reading his stuff that we talked about how expensive beers are in in Pittsburgh. You know, you mentioned. I mean, looking at this this particular one, the sixteen dollars wasn't bought here. Wasn't bought here, but okay, it'd probably be even more here. There's a thirty percent add-on. That's for liquor. Oh, so it doesn't count for beer? No, that's liquor. Oh, all right. I was um, Lou Bryson has a um, blog about abolishing the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board. More accurately, burning up the liquor code and writing a new one. Right. But um, I was asking him today, because I had heard recently that the, the Pennsylvania Liquor Control Board is the second largest purchaser of alcohol in North America, to only second, to, second only to the Ontario Liquor Control Board. And I was wondering what kind of bulk discounts they get. And he explained why it's not necessary. And I said, is it conceivable that if they privatize liquor sales that we'd be paying more for alcohol? Because mm-hmm. they wouldn't, get, you know, the, the smaller stores wouldn't get this kind of bulk discount. I mean, they're practically the Walmart of liquor, you know, purchasing. And uh, he said, no, because they get the bulk discount and then they automatically mark it up 30%. And then it's tax, the Johnstown's tax, Johnstown flood tax. And then there's a sales tax on top of that. <laughs> so not so there's the thirty percent, which since it's a state owned company, is not profit, it's tax. Right. And then there's the flood tax, which is not just on the retail value but the tax value. And then there's the sales tax on top of the flood tax. So it's pretty pretty crazy. Well, I wouldn't say this is the greatest thing you've ever had, but it's definitely interesting and it's definitely worth your time to check out. It's also Probably not the best beer to have first on the show because it's very high in alcohol and it's probably more of a sip than anything else. I'm gonna get some big beers tonight. We so do. I think the, I don't think we're I'm in peril of not being able to taste these next beers. I'm enjoying this beer. The maple syrup in there, it, it's nice and um, gives it a little bit of nuance. Um, Mapley, uh, a little bit of. It, it, I still get this woody flavor. It still reminds me a lot of Palo Santo, even though it doesn't have those spicy aromatics that frankincense type. Christmas type smell that you get from right. Palo Santo. Yeah. Um, I can just taste that the I can taste the dirt from Chico because it probably was grown there. You can taste the dirt. Mm. Chico dirt from California. So, what would you do with this beer? I'd drink it. How would you drink it? What would you drink it with? Sip it and not have anything with it. I, I think mm-hmm. this is a beer that kind of would be ruined by other accompaniment. Probably it lot. definitely stands on its own. I was actually thinking like lamb would go good with this. It stands on its own. I think it would be overshadowed by anything else. Anything, any other you know, stuff you try to bring in would – you'd lose a lot of the, the subtleties that the alcohol might, um, being so big in there brings out. Mm-hmm. Um, lamb would certainly be really gamey and, and sticky on your, on your palate and it would, you know, it, it would really soak up a lot of the aromatics, the birch and the stuff like that I think and, and the maple particularly. Uh, while it would probably taste good together, you'd really lose a lot of the beer. I, I see you're right. I mean, this beer definitely stands on its own. has a good... Mm, the more I drink it, it's getting sweeter. Not bad. It's not getting too sweet. But it's getting sweeter and sweeter. It's starting to think more of a, either dessert by itself or, you know, with some kind of... Like, maybe, like, not sweet chocolate, but you know, some kind of bitter chocolate or something it might go well with. You know, something that's It would go well with sweet chocolate. It would go well chocolate with chocolate chip cookies? It would go well with a, with a cheesecake. 
you know, plain old cheesecake, mm-hmm. something that would um, be there, you know, a lot of fat to to give you sort of a, a cleaner or a, a more balanced palate, but still like a just a plain, not not a flavored cheesecake, but just a plain cheesecake mm-hmm. to kind of enhance almost. In the, you know, sort of like custard-like to, to enhance the. Well, that's what right, cheesecake right. is—a custard pie. Mm-hmm. To enhance the, you know, the the other flavors that are present here. So that would work in the same way that you know you can infuse a cheesecake with all sorts of flavors and have it, those flavors really come out, be big and bold. So our good friends at Flying Fish, which are in Cherry Hill, New Jersey, have sent us this Exit Series beer. This is Bayshore Oyster Stout. Brew actually beer actually brew with oysters. Irish ale yeasts actually, um, you know, like I said, actually use oysters in the shell. So the minerals in the shell go into the beer. The um, they're doing this one-off series of beers, and they're, you know, in New Jersey, the exit number on the turnpike is a very big milestone. No pun intended. Like people will say, you know, where they live, they'll go by the exit, not necessarily by the town name. So they're naming each one of these beers after exits. And uh, this isn't the first one, even though it's exit number one. Uh, I think it's the fourth. It's the third or fourth beer in the exit series. Yeah, because there, I guess there was exit four was an American triple. And since this is exit one and that one was exit four, I, this is a third limited series right there. Oh, there, third. So okay. Third. So, I mean, they made this exit one because this one's obviously by the ocean, right? And this is an oyster stout. So that's why they made it exit number one. They call these extremely limited release beers, so we're lucky to get one. Uh, so this is a very dark, dark beer. This is, this is definitely twenty four on the SRM scale because I don't even see highlights on here. There is, yeah, I mean it's a it's a stout. Oh my god, yeah, it's it's motor oil dark. Yeah, well, there's a highlight at the very bottom, not where you'd normally expect it, but like where there's like an eighth of an inch of beer. If you look in the corner, if you touch your glass, you can get a little bit of red out there. Oh, okay, yeah, very very. Amber, dark red, so not much of a head either. Mm-hmm. But a big uh, a malty, chocolatey aroma. Don't really smell much in the way of oysters so far. But that's you mentioned. Kind of, you mentioned how the shells go in and all right, and there's that mineraliness, that salty, that limestone type right. thing that you get on the oyster shell. I think I'm smelling some of that in here, but it very easily could be just. What the marketing material has put in my head, right. knowing that it's an oyster beer. It's 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 almost like um, I hesitate when I say smoky because it's not smoky as in smoky beer, but it is smoky like when you catch an odd whiff of a campfire, you get this smoky smell. Sure, you get that. Sure. Where it's, it's completely you're different. You're walking from down the street and you you smell a, a fire in somebody's house. Well, yeah. you, you a little bit of that thing, you know. That's yeah. A, so it's a nice smell. It's a homey kind of smell. Uh, another thing that we should point out uh, is that, yeah, this is not something crazy putting oysters in beer. I mean, we've talked about this before, but it's been yeah. a while. This is something that we used to be done a lot. You know, and, and first of all, putting animals or – well, oysters are animals, but yeast are kind of fungus, so they're a little bit different. But, I mean, they're, they're all over beer, right? And, uh, I mean, this is not – Something crazy like mm-hmm. Chinese penis wine. This is <laughs> well. No, I, have you heard about this stuff? <laughs> I haven't heard about three that. types of penis that are used in this wine: dog, deer, and snake. 
Nice. Yeah, so this is not crazy like that. That this is a a, a well recognized style, if not a, a very popular one. I'm not sure if I would say very popular. I mean, like Yards Love Stout used to be an oyster stout. They don't add oysters to it anymore. Well, yeah. oysters are also kind of expensive now. Yeah, they, but they stopped a while ago. I don't know if it was a health thing, but uh, oysters are you know said to be an aphrodisiac, so that's why it was called Love Stout from Yards. You might be surprised at how light on the palate is initially. It, it's a little; it doesn't hit you kind of until the the end. The end gets really strong and chocolatey and 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 malty. Uh, it, it tastes actually a little bit light, and that's I, I appreciate that in a beer. I appreciate a beer that um, you know is heavy and dark, but doesn't jump out at you right away and doesn't overpower you. The yeah, first sip I had was, was pretty stouty, pretty roasty, pretty big. Um, after a couple sips, it, it's more delicate like you would say um, where it's not punching you in the face every single time excuse me does it taste like oysters not particularly i think that if anything like they say on this marketing speak some of the mineral stuff is getting through some of that kind of limestoney there's there's, yeah there's a little Mm -hmm. bit of chalky i I swear i smell that because i'm thinking back to when we were at well, I'm actually when I was back at Philly Beer Week, but it was the same oyster booth right. that you saw at Saver, and you know it's just that smell when you pick those guys up and they have that you know it crumbles on your hands and you get that is that limestone or is that something it's, else? It's Cal- calcium it's carbonate. Calcium, yeah. yeah, definitely there's that calcium carbonate type flavor. I wonder if oysters were a method to harden the water. I'm sure it would definitely work. Well, but it's it's kind of late in the process, right? Because you want the harder water for darker beers in the mash. And if the oysters go in the brew kettle, it's the wrong part of the process. I was just thinking, when you said calcium carbonate, I'm like, hey, you could use that to harden your water so you can make right. darker beers, right. stouts. But that's that. all that chemistry happens in the mash, not but in the But essentially, water. what we know as limestone is, is crushed mm-hmm. shells of all sorts. Yeah. yeah. So it's the same stuff. Um, huh. Yeah, these this would it's it's delicate enough that, w- that it would go well, it wouldn't overpower and it would go well with oysters. I personally love oysters in the half shell, particularly mm-hmm. if they're as well made and, and well, I mean I've been craving them actually. They're the the, the place that, that we you know tried them at Saber and, and the, Jeff tried at Philly Beer Week uh, is a sustainable farm that that makes them makes them really plump and juicy and delicious. Mm-hmm. I mean like awesome yeah like the the best the best oysters i've ever had well i had i think one better that was grilled in japan it was this huge oyster but right you know okay you're not gonna travel five thousand miles and and pay two thousand dollars in order to get that oyster if you want to get the best oysters right here in america or at least right here on the east coast you go to that place right that i've had which we can remember the name of the farm right now but we can't remember chesapeake chesapeake bay oyster farm right and uh nice stuff you know, and, and a good thing about oysters is if you get it from the right place, they're sustainable. Essentially, they're you know this is now it's farmed; they're an agricultural product, mm-hmm. basically. Uh, so, and sustainable stuff is always good, right? Always. Now, I'm en- I'm definitely enjoying this beer. Um, it, it's a good. It, it's a fairly dry stout. It's really roasty, but it's yet, like I said, doesn't pile on. It doesn't get roastier every sip. It, it's delicate, so it maintains the. Uh, it's palate on you know the palate that you're experiencing. It, 
it kind of just maintains the whole way through. It doesn't get to be too much. I know you derided me for for leaving your door open and making it a little bit colder in here, but this is a cold temperature beer. You know, this this is a beer that really I think works well with the cold temperature. It it's, it works well with the. This is I, in summer. This might seem a little sticky, almost. Yeah, I, I don't disagree. It's a colder beer. I mean, we're not talking thirty degrees. We're still talking forty-five right. instead of fifty, or maybe forty-two. But yeah, a little bit of colder on this beer, I think, works. You're right. It's not like some beers where when it warms up, like it is right now. I mean, it's still not that warm, but it's not like it, we start picking up flaws when it warms up. You know, it's still fine, but definitely it was a little bit colder. It had a little more. It had a little more. I don't know what the what the best word to describe it would be, but it just had a little more panache to it. it had a more mm-hmm. a jump to it, maybe. Um, felt more exciting, but yeah, this is a, a really interesting beer. Thank you very much, Flying Fish, for sending this to us. And I don't know how available this is. Like they said, it's a very limited series. <laughs> it, it's still out. I, I still see people talking about it, and uh, it's a good beer. What's their next um, exit series beer that they're doing? I have no idea. So this is just their next seasonal style, oh, well. uh, which is their Imperial Espresso Porter. Okay. Flying Fish is a, an interesting brewery because I think they opened in 95, 96, 97, something like that. And they actually, maybe it was a little bit later than that, but they were the first brewery that like opened online with like community input and stuff like that you know they uh had a he had a website early and while he was formulating his business plan while he was writing the business plan he was communicating with potential customers and stuff like that so i mean now it's not too uncommon you know every brewery that hasn't even brewed yet is facebooking and twittering but you know 10 years ago 10 yeah 10 11 12 years ago it was pretty novel to, you know, kind of collaborate and get input from everybody when you're opening a place. So, Flying Fish was a uh, trendsetter in that way. I like, I'm a fan of the actual animal, the Flying Fish, which is a, uh, the, their logo here is a fish skeleton with fins and then airplane propellers on it. <laughs> the the Flying Fish doesn't actually work quite that way. It's more of a glider. Yeah. <laughs> It's it's a hybrid of the Garf of the um, not Garfield but what's the other Heathcliff fish, you know when because he, Heathcliff would put the fish in his mouth and pull it out and it would just leave the bones right yeah right so it's a it's a hybrid of the Heathcliff fish and an airplane yeah but an actual flying fish is a very interesting animal that uh, uses its fins elongated special fins to to glide in the air out, away from predators mm-hmm. uh, so it's a cool little fish. And also, um, most of what you eat on sushi is flying fish roe or eggs. Oh, didn't know that. All right. Our next beer for our sesquicentennial show is a little beer called Oat Goop. Oat Goop. It is a uh, oat wine. And it is a, another collaboration beer. Whoa. It's uh, Three Floyds and McKellar out of Denmark. Wow, an oat wine. Now, that's interesting, isn't it? Well, it was only a matter of time before the barley wine and the wheat wines led on to rye wines and oat wines, right? I suppose. And I know there's some rye wines, even though I can't think of one right now. But this is the only oat wine that I've heard of. And it's not a stout, like no. you might think. It is an amber-colored beer. Peachy, almost, I'd say. And 
pretty translucent. And it's a hoppy beer. A little cloudy. It has I'd say a, about eight in the SRMs. It has a signature Three Floyds hop profile, wouldn't you say? Yes. It smells like something from Three Floyds. It really does. It has that whatever whatever combination of hops they use, and they know their hops. Three Floyds, they they know them well. It, it has that very uh, bright and enticing sweet hop aroma that wow the um the marketing speak on this beer is uh not in english cool it is in what language do they speak in denmark denmarkian (laughs) it says cheers at the end that's all i know yeah (laughs) Orange, brown sugar. Do they speak Icelandic? I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. Danish? Dan- they speak, yeah, that would be it. Yeah, because they're Danes, right? In right. Denmark, they're Danes. They speak Danish. Duh. Duh. 10.4% alcohol by volume. That's it. very interesting. That, that... It's collaboration. Mikella wrote the marketing speak, apparently. So, okay, so yeah, all you can really smell is a three three all you can really smell is the three Floyd's hot profile right now. I'm not smelling. I think I'm much getting. Are you getting any kind of uh, cinnamon or brown sugar type aroma in with the hops? Is like I'm getting a mix of oranges and brown sugar. I just smelled that that three that did very distinct. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> How many times do we have to say it? A very distinct three Floyd's. Which I guess dapper. in the past we've pretty much called man candy. We pretty much. It's. It, if it's not man candy, it's awfully close. <laughs> right. Not quite the direction that I'd expect an oat wine to go. But it, there is some some unique flavor there, which I'm going to have to take another sip and try to create some new vocabulary for, I think. I had to think about it, but the more I thought about it, the more it worked. The more I kind of wrap that that flavor that I'm getting around my tongue and around my mind, the more it really, really works. Like, not just kind of work. This is wow beer for me. This is... Okay. This is like... Whoa! They hit on something here. And one of the things I said before is that a beer that does something a little bit different gets props in my books mm-hmm. even if it's not the most perfect beer in the world if you do something a little bit different i was expecting a ridiculously slimy or slick beer mm-hmm. right oat wine i'm having a hard time picking up that character that i'm used to detecting when it comes to oats what's so there it's definitely there the hops cut it a lot in a very Attractive way without mm-hmm. the three Floyd's hot profile. I don't know where this would be as good a beer. Mm-hmm. It, it has. Let's you know. Let's put. Let's, let's throw it on the table. It has man candy. It's definitely man candy, and it's got that you know that that wonderful sweet and uh, enticing and slightly citrusy, slightly spicy hoppiness, along with really, I think a, a platform of that oatmeal sliminess. 
that the hops just then kind of cut through. Mm-hmm. And so you're really getting this extremely full-tasting beer that just really delivers on – I mean, it really just throws that man-candy flavor right into you and doesn't stop. Like I said, it took me a second or two to kind of figure out, whoa, what the heck is going on in my mouth? But once I wrapped my head around it, once I got a hold of it, I could analyze it. Mm-hmm. This is a stellar beer. So let's try to pick it apart. We've generalized, I think, just a tiny bit too much. I mean, one time, two times saying the three-fourths hop profile was fine, but we've said it all the time. It's a citrusy hop profile. Um, really ripe oranges, really sweet oranges, not, not, not pithy oranges, not bitter oranges, but a sweet orange. Mixed with kind of a... Uh, Almost cinnamon-like, uh, almost cinnamon-like kind of earthiness in the center. Mm-hmm. The I think part of the cinnamon probably comes from the the, the gravity in this beer. The alcohol, right? Uh, yeah, I mean it. It definitely has a characteristic of an American barley wine in there, where it's this big, bready, brown sugar thing, and you know, with ridiculous amount of. IPA hops on top of it, and then you know the oats coming in underneath, I guess, and smoothing the whole thing out. So I don't know what percentage oats they used. I wish I did, but there's I th- I feel there's plenty of barley in this beer too. I think the name's a little bit misleading because you think goop and you think okay it's going to be like it's going to pour out of here like like the, the, the Dark Lake, Lord, yeah, or something, something um, like that Lake Erie stuff on the on the Saturday Night Live, <laughs> but. It's it 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 really it works extremely well, and I am a very big, this is a wild beer for me. This is this is exceptional. I love gonna have a wild beer on the one hundred and fifty show. Yeah, I don't good. know if it's wild beer for you. It's wild beer for me. It's good. It's really good. I'm not sure. I'd say I, I wouldn't say buy it at any means if you saw it. I mean, I'd say it's very good. You wouldn't regret it, but. It's like if you're looking at this versus something else, I don't know versus what, but it doesn't quite hit that break. That's well, in the last beer we had, there was a wild beer. We just had last week, Chocolat. That's a wild beer, right? So, right. Uh, there's an example of something. Chocolat, like I mean, hands down, but that's, an, that's, a, that's one of my favorite beers of, of all time. It, 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 I would say, you know, check out Oat Goop, especially since, you know, you only try it once. You might as well try it now. But, I mean,. I mean, this is a beer that Rick Sizemore brought out when he visited us. It still has that hop flavor. Yeah. Imagine what it tasted like when it was fresh. I don't know. I mean, It's been in the fridge most of the time, right? So it hasn't changed that much. I haven't had a beer for Three Floyds that has lost any Did you drink that Dreadnought I gave you? Yes, I did. Good? Yeah. Are you kidding me? (laughs) I haven't had a beer for Three Floyds as ever. I have Three Floyds for what it has... Great quality standards. I think they they, they mm-hmm. really must because you know they've never had a spoiled beer, never had a beer that even was you know close to bad from them. Now, that being said, we haven't had a hundreds yeah. of three Floyds. We've right. had maybe a dozen three, but Floyds. but they're all three Floyds that have traveled. Mm-hmm. That's got to say something. Smuggled, right? smuggled across state lines. 
I think it's legal as long as you don't sell it, right? Nope. No? It's not legal to bring any alcohol across state lines? Nope. There's no provision to legally bring beer or liquor or wine into Pennsylvania. Without going through the liquor board? Or there is no provision. If you bought beer in Ohio... But I'm saying obviously there's a provision because you have beer distributors. No, you'd be buying it in Pennsylvania. But they they had to bring it outside somehow. You as a citizen... As a citizen, yeah. Can't buy beer in Ohio, bring it into Pennsylvania, and send your tax check to the state. There is no provision to legally bring beer into the state. Really? So if I bought beer in Maryland, like when we've done so, we've Mm -hmm. done it a couple of times, and we bring it up, we're technically breaking the law. Absolutely. And if you wanted to be legal and pay your taxes on that beer to Pennsylvania, there's no provision to do so. If it, could a cop would a cop actually pull you over and identify beer in your car as contraband? Unlikely. Yeah. But doesn't mean it's legal. Maybe if you had a truck full of beer, then I could see it. Then you know mm-hmm. you're obviously selling it, right? Go check out that Lou Bryson blog a little bit more. There's a picture he posted just last week of the former head of the Liquor Control Board buying wine in New Jersey. <laughs> okay? <laughs> There's a picture of him in front of a New Jersey liquor store with a bottle of wine. And he's the former head of the Liquor Control Board. Help us, everybody. We live in Pennsylvania. Look at look at what we have to deal with. I mean, we are so appreciative of our fans for, first of all, for listening to one or two of the episodes of our show and oh, here's we get all a little sentimental we have to i mean it's it's, it's i think we do need to thank our fans it, it is an unbelievable run yeah that we started podcasting on june 3rd 2005 and it's december 10th 2009 and we got people that listen and we really do appreciate it i don't really want to do a ranking tonight well it's too bad that's kind of our our thing you can't just kind of. I can't rank those. Beers. I will since I've done it once. I I will let you do it. All right. I have did. I did a random selection once during the Sam Adams when we did the Sam Adams Patriot Pack. Mm-hmm. I did a random selection because I didn't want to rank them. So, and I realized after I did it that it was bad form and I should have ranked them. But since I did it once. I think you should be allowed to do it once. I like them all, and they're they're all such different styles that I... You talk, and I'll see if I can come up with an order, right. but I don't think I can. Well, obviously, based on, on, on what I've said, Oak Coop is number one for me. It's, it's, it's definitely a wow beer in my estimation, so I would stack that way up there. It's just so good. It's got so much great flavor to it. I, I, I'm in love with that beer. Boom, 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 boom. Uh, then I would go with Hexen One. I really do enjoy the Oyster Stout a heck of a lot. I I like it when a beer is kind of subtle but great at the same time. And mm-hmm. Hexen One really did a good job with that. And then the Life and Limb, which was not a bad beer by any estimation. Right. Really, really delicious beer. But um, maybe a little high in alcohol. The alcohol kind of threw me off a bit when I first was tasting it, so that's kind of why I'm going to throw that last. Okay, so I'm going to do my best to put them in an order here. And the way I'm going to do that is basically 
If I am going into a bar and these three beers are available to me, which one would I get first? Or better yet, for the post-show, which one of these am I going to drink first, yeah. right? Because they're all big bottles, so we have some orphans there. Which one am I going to pour into my glass first in the post-show? Which one? But we're talking like hundreds of a point for me. I mean, they're, they're all really close. Oh, I understand. I, I would it, love to have our 150th show the, have a disagreement. Sure. No, the Okoop's going to be my last beer. As far as which one I prefer over the Life and Limb or the Exit One, I <laughs> it's it trying to give you an honest answer, you not just you know just spitting one out. I I don't think I can do it. I don't. They're completely different, and I love the the dry stout of the Exit One, right? And I love the complex, uh rich flavors of the maple syrup in the wood in the, the the hint of licorice that's in the the life and limb and i don't know which one i'd prefer all right i'm gonna label this one but but in the post show i am gonna grab one first right yeah so you know which one i want to drink first in the post show which it's that? going to be the exit one from flying fish okay there you go but as soon as I finish that couple ounces, I'm going to have some life and limb. <laughs> exactly. There's not much left since uh, since Jeff spilled all mine. Um, <laughs> so I guess that's what it comes down to. I mean, I have to grab one for the post show, and I'm going to grab the exit one first. You know, but they're I, so close. I, honestly, all three beers are. That's that's the beer I really want to try. Now, you know, again, that's the beer I want to have in the post show too. And as much as I love the, you know, as much as obviously this is a. Mm-hmm. Wow, beer for me. I want to have some more exit one. It's really delicious. Right. Really delicious. So uh, I'll give it you there. All right. Thank you, everybody, for listening to episode 150. And an extreme thank you to the people that have listened to 150 episodes. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, that's like probably like three weeks of your life that you wasted listening to us. You've You've heard... You, you know way more about us than, <laughs> than we know about you, that's for sure. <laughs> and uh, You've heard us, I think, mature as podcasters. I mean, I'm not saying that we're uh, superstars by any means, but I think... I think there's know. ebbs and flows, right? We, right. we nail it. We kind of slack off a little bit, and I think we're on an upswing right now. I put out a bunch of content recently. I got most of the back catalog edited and posted, so hopefully we're on an upswing and uh, hopefully that uh, life stays as the status quo so we can keep doing that. Yeah. No more kids, Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> no more progeny. All right. I'll give that a try. <laughs> Catch you guys later. Thank you very much. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Thank you.